Well, uh, we are grateful to be here, and uh, I'm honored to be able to uh, come alongside our pastor, Josh, and step in when he needs me to. It's my privilege. And uh, as uh, Pastor Brandon said, he's in board meetings uh, this week in Dallas at our international headquarters. For those of you who don't know, we are privileged to have a pastor who at 40 years old, uh, for those of you who don't know, was voted in uh, in our national convention this past summer as an assistant general bishop over this whole division, North Central Division. And that's quite an honor. Amen. Yes. And so uh, we don't begrudge the two board meetings a year he has to be away. (laughs) But uh, it is really an honor to uh, have a pastor with that kind of reputation and his love, not only here by our church, but around the country in our denomination, because he is also, uh, as you know, one of the best preachers I've ever heard. Amen. We've got a great preacher as a pastor. Well, he's in demand around the country. He's one of our top camp meeting speakers as well. So uh, I don't think we mind sharing our pastor and, you know, just sharing the blessing. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Okay, so uh, I'm just thrilled to uh, be able to be here this morning and to share with you. A uh, pastor has been ministering the past few weeks on the series, uh, Witchcraft in the Church. Now, I'm not going to continue in that. This message is not necessarily a part of that series. I, I talked to pastor before he left. But let me say, rather than speak to the series, Witchcraft in the Church, you might say my message this morning is kind of a side note. It's in the margin. Is that Okay. So uh, how many knows, and we should know it by now if you've listened to his messages, that spiritually we are at war. Amen? There is a war that is being waged. We have a real enemy. But I thank God the victory was already won 2,000 years ago. In fact, I said not too long ago, I believe it was on one of the Wednesday nights I'm teaching, I said, you know what, we are in a fight, but what makes it good is the fight is fixed. And I don't mind being in a fixed fight when we're the winners, glory. And so understanding that we are at war spiritually, we have a real enemy, but we also have a commander in chief, amen, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at one of the examples of this in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. And I want to minister on the thought this morning, hearing from our commander-in-chief. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And I'm going to call it up here on my device because my eyes have difficulty reading that far away. But I'm not getting older. (laughs) Reading from the New King James Version. 
And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood beside him. Now, most versions will have that word man capitalized, and that's for good reason. A man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. I mean, what else could you do? And said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Wow. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we have together in worship and in praise. And Lord, we pray right now, open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. God, be glorified in all that we do. And we thank you for this time. Hearing from our commander-in-chief. Here, you might say, is what we call a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ to Joshua the commander. We're all well acquainted with this story. We all know about the walls of Jericho, don't we? But before that took place, this took place. Note, the children of Israel, they have crossed over the Jordan River miraculously. They are at Gilgal. They are camped at Gilgal, just over the Jordan. They have consecrated themselves. Circumcision has been performed. Worship has been restored. Passover celebration. But note, the manna has now ceased because they have eventually moved first step into the promised land. Now there is a land of abundance. But note, before them lies their first obstacle, and that is the city of Jericho, a very formidable defensive city that they are facing. But rather than rushing into battle, we have a picture here of Joshua. I love this. Joshua is alone. He is the commander of the armies of Israel. But Joshua is alone. Joshua being alone is important. Why? Because Joshua recognizes he must hear from the Lord. But now is the time for Israel to move forward. Now is the time for Israel to take the land that God has promised them. And I love it. At least three times in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord commands General Joshua to be of good courage. In fact, he tells him, Joshua, be of good courage, for note this, I have already given you the land. Wherever your foot steps, the land is yours. The fight was fixed before they drew a sword. 
The fight was already fixed before they engaged the enemy. May I say this morning, we are at war, but let me tell you, the fight is fixed. Everywhere the sole of your footsteps, God's already given you the land. God's already given you the victory. All Israel had to do was go through the motions and obey their commander-in-chief, and they would see victory after victory after victory. Yes, it's a fight, but how can we know the victory of Almighty God unless we are at fighting, at war. Amen? And so there comes a time to move forward and to act on the promises of God. Israel had obeyed the Lord. Note, there was a disobedient and unbelieving generation that laid buried in the wilderness. But not this generation. This generation, the children and grandchildren of that previous generation, they were obedient. They were ready. They were prepared to take what was rightfully theirs, what God had already given them. May I say, God calls us to do the same thing, and that's what we do when we appropriate by faith what is already ours. Amen. May I say what's rightfully yours? What do you mean? We are children of the Most High God. And being children of the Most High God, there are privileges and benefits. And ble- now think of that. John the Apostle said in 1 John 3, 1, he said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, or lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. This generation was ready to take what was rightfully theirs. At this juncture, things were about to drastically change for Israel. All that had been happening for 40 years, wandering in the wilderness, was now ready to take place. That was in preparation to receive what God had already given them. So this morning, I want us to note three things here about hearing from our commander-in-chief. Because, you know, if we're at war, I think it's important we hear from our commander-in-chief. Amen? The Lord shows up. Secondly, the Lord identifies himself And thirdly, the Lord's demands. Look at verse 13 again. Joshua 5, 13. The Lord shows up. And it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Note, again, very important. Joshua was alone. May I say we cannot hear from our commander-in-chief unless we are willing to spend time alone that we may hear from our commander-in-chief. You don't have to be a leader in the local church to hear from the Lord. 
We're all called to this fight. Every single Christian is called to this fight. Every single Christian is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. And it centers around his person and his work. And we need to hear from him. Why? Because he has a plan of action for each and every one of us. And as each of us, hear me this morning, fulfills God's plan for our life, then if we are doing that, when we come together corporately, let me tell you, friend, corporately then, we have a plan as a church, Christ Point Church in this region. And when everyone is hearing from the Lord, and corporately the church hears from the Lord, let me tell you, there's not enough demons in hell to keep back what God wants to do in this forest state region through Christ Point. I hope you're with me this morning. So Joshua was alone as a good leader. What was he doing? He was checking out the situation. And in his solitude, the Lord showed up. Jericho was a fortified city, formidable walls, In fact, one of the most impregnable cities that they ever faced. In fact, double thick walls surrounded the walls of Jericho. And of course, when Israel showed up and were camping outside their walls, the wall was filled with soldiers of Jericho looking at this. Israel, they didn't have equipment for a siege. It was inadequate. They didn't have the equipment for a frontal assault. You might say it would have been suicidal. No slings, no arrows, no spears, no no, no engines, catapults, towers, battering rams. They didn't have any of that. So there was cause for concern for General Joshua. Lord, we know you've given this to us. We've got to go forward. We've got to confront the enemy. But what do we need to do? I'm sure that was crossing his mind as he was alone. You ever been there? Facing an impossible situation and questions arise, Lord, how can we possibly get through this? Lord, I need to hear from you. So Joshua was staring at another impossible situation militarily. What impossible situation do we face at times? But let me say, the importance again of Joshua being alone, the value of solitude, the value of reflection before the Lord, the value of quieting our fears and our doubts in His presence. The Lord has a way of doing away with those fears and those doubts. Pastor just quoted from John 16.33 where Jesus told the disciples and gave them a valid promise, said, in this world, you're going to have all kinds of trouble. Tribulations. What a glorious promise. Anybody quote that one this morning when you woke up? Today I'm going to have all kinds of trouble according to the Lord. Glory be to his name. Bring it on, Jesus. No, no. <laughs> He promised them, you will have troubles, tribulation. Why? Because you are now identified with me. And there's a real enemy out there. But, (laughs) be of good cheer. I have already overcome the world. 
Note, there's nothing you will face that I haven't already faced and have already conquered. Just move forward. Glory. Just obey. Amen. And that's what the Lord is saying. Move forward. So he was away from the noise and the din and the distractions of the world, and the Lord showed up. He got a surprise visit. Joshua unexpectedly sees the Lord. I don't think Joshua expected to see the Lord. It took him by surprise. But how many knows that God has a way of showing up in our lives even when we least expect it in different ways, in various ways. If our heart is conditioned for his presence, I've said again and again, you've heard me say this numerous times, I'll repeat it again this morning, what's absent in our life is not God's presence, it's our awareness of his presence. And the more we are aware of his presence daily he will have a way of showing up in our lives and let us know I will never leave you nor forsake you lo I'm with you always even unto the end of the age so God has a way of showing up and when we take the time to separate ourselves to be alone with him we give him that opportunity to show up if we're not distracted all the time with the things of the world now his appearance may not be in some big, majestic, glorious revelation. His appearance showing up can take many different forms. But your heart, if you are attuned, you'll recognize afterwards, that was the Lord. Amen? Anybody been there, done that? Amen? I remember years ago, uh, in one of our pastorates, and all our 50 years of marriage, of marriage, not marriage, you know, in all our 50 years of ministry, uh, it was one of the toughest times in our whole ministry. I mean, th- there was a strong spiritual warfare going on in our church, and it was a battle. And it drained us of strength spiritually and physically. The enemy came against us, not only spiritually, but physically. And I remember one morning, my oldest son and his family were with us, and we were sitting there in our living room, and uh, their, their two boys were off in the other room playing, and uh, we were talking and just discussing what the next steps were, and we had been praying and seeking the Lord, and boy, it was heavy. It was a heavy time. And about that time, both out of the blue, out of nowhere, my wife will remember this, Our little grandson was about five years old. He's a junior in college now, but about five years old. He comes out of the bedroom. He has a a, a captain's hat, you know, on and a sword like this. We're sitting there in the living room on the couch and he he comes walking into the living room and he's singing, I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's arm. And he just kept singing that. And he marched all the way around the four of us and just went right back in the bedroom. Didn't say hi to us. Didn't look at us. Nothing. He just had that sword like this and singing, I'm in the Lord's army. Honest, I'm telling you the truth. When he walked out of that room, we sat there slack jawed looking at each other. You know what? Our commander in chief showed up 
in the form of a five-year-old singing, I'm in the Lord's army. Amen. Let us know, I'm in charge here. I'll send your grandson to reaffirm that with a sword drawn. Glory. Singing, I'm in the Lord's army. Listen, God has a way of showing up and confirming in your spirit. I'm right here. Be not afraid. Move forward. Glory. The significance of the Lord's appearance. Note, the Lord appeared. Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate, appeared. And he was in military garb with his sword drawn. Wow. You know what that means? When the Lord appears, he always fits the occasion. How many know we serve a warrior God and there is no one who can withstand him? His sword is in hand and he's ready to do battle. Note, he told Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 when they were surrounded by five armies, the Lord spoke to him in the temple and said, Fear not, Jehoshaphat, the battle is not yours, it is mine. I'll take care of this. All you do is send the choir out first and start worshiping. I'll take care of the rest. Whoever heard of sending a choir out to a battle? I don't know about you, but if I was a choir member and the choir later called me up, listen up, we need the choir to meet. We're going to lead the army out in battle singing. Uh, I'm sorry, I've got a previous engagement. The chiefs are on today. I don't know. And the scripture says when it was all done, all Israel had to do was go through the battlefield and collect the spoil. Glory. It's a God we serve. Note Joshua's reaction. As a great general, his first instinct was this. No fear. Because Joshua approached that individual, not knowing yet who it was. Halt. Who goes there? Friend or foe? Wow. Again, I think of 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy, the adversary, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know what? That's an alert general, Joshua. He was alert. Out of the corner of his eye, he spots the glimmer of armor in the sunlight. He turns and looks, and there's this person standing there in full armor gear with his sword drawn. And he approaches him. He knows there's a real enemy out there. And our enemy is crafty. His pastor has been preaching these past few weeks. He's subtle. He's crafty. He can come in by stealth. Jesus even talked about in the Gospels, he talked about the enemy will come in during the night and plant tares among the wheat field to grow up and destroy the wheat. The New Testament talks about, I mean, uh, Paul talks about in 2 Timothy, he talks how the enemy can creep in. 2 Peter talks about he moves in secretly while you feast with them. And Jude talks about the same thing. He can easily weave his way in to do his dirty work. And so this shows that Joshua was very alert because he knew there was an enemy out there. But then look at verse 14. I love it. Verse 14, the Lord identifies himself. 
So after he approaches him and says, are you friend or foe? This individual says, no. Uh, why? <laughs> I love it. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. When he said that, immediately Joshua recognized who this individual was. And the logical thing, the only thing he could do was, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? We are at war. It behooves us to take time alone with our God. And he will have a way of showing up. And when he shows up, the first plan of attack is worship. On our face before the Lord. The Lord's response was, he identified himself as commander in chief of the host of heaven. Not the army of Israel although ultimately he was in charge of them as well, but the host of heaven. It's known in the Old Testament as the Lord of Sabaoth is the word that's used in the New Testament. James uses that same phrase to identify his brother Jesus. He calls his brother Jesus the Lord of Sabaoth, identifying him with the one who appeared to Joshua long ago on Gilgal before they attacked Jericho. Glory. Our God is everlasting. Doesn't matter what's going on in our world. Doesn't matter how it looks like things are falling apart. God remains on his throne. He is in charge. He is sovereign. And he will never abdicate. Glory. Here the Lord identified himself as the general in charge. Joshua might have been the general, but here was the supreme commander-in-chief, not Joshua. Now note how, think for a moment how this made Joshua feel. Think about what Joshua was experiencing before the Lord appeared. He's staring at those walls of Jericho. He, at this point, really has no plan of attack, yet he knows they must confront the enemy. And then the Lord appears, as we see here in verse 14, and imagine how that made Joshua feel. I'll tell you, friend, at that moment, hear me, the burden of battle was just lifted off his shoulder. Wow. He was checking things out. How are we going to accomplish this? Okay, it's time to move. And confront the city and attack. They've been, they're on the walls. They've been looking at us. They've been expecting something to happen for some time now. What do we do? And the Lord shows up and says, I am personally going to take charge of this fight. And it is now in my hands. It is my battle. Can you imagine the relief and the burden lifted off General Joshua? Glory. So Joshua's response is obvious. He humbled himself as Israel's general before the commander-in-chief. There was an immediate humbling 
and worship. And guess what? His shoes came off. First thing that happens in this battle for us as soldiers of the cross, of which we are, submission and availability. Shoes off. Speak, Lord, your servant heareth. Joshua, at that moment, very importantly, acknowledged his rightful place and the Lord's rightful place. And in a sense is saying, I am now subservient to you. Hear this. You call the shots. Glory. You know what? I can't overemphasize the idea that this fight is fixed. Guess what? We're simply called to go through the motions. And behold the glory of the Almighty. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but if that don't excite your exciter, it's broke. You need to take it to the repair shop. Glory. At that point, Joshua surrendered his command. We too must surrender our command, our control of the situation, the right to ourselves, and surrender that to the Lord. He must have complete control or none at all. He doesn't want part of it. He doesn't want to be part-time. He just doesn't want us to surrender that which we think we need to surrender. No, we must surrender all. Sometimes, though, we Christians... If we're not careful, we get into what is called the familiar pity party. Anybody ever have one of those joyous little parties? Just a servant of Jesus. It's just me. I I love what J. Oswald Chambers said about this. He said, (laughs) in fact, I came across this just the other day as I was putting the finishing touches on this message. And that was that day's devotional on my utmost for his highest. He said, when I stop telling God what I want, he can freely work his will in me without any hindrance. He can crush me, exalt me, or do anything else he chooses. He simply asked me, here it is, he simply asked me to have absolute faith in him and his goodness. Wow, listen to this. Self-pity is of the devil. And if I wallow in it, I cannot be used by God for his purpose in the world. Doing this creates for me my own cozy world within the world, and God will not be allowed to move me from it because of my fear of being frostbitten. Very timely message with the temperature change the past few days, don't you think? (laughs) Note, Joshua surrendered his command the moment he fell to his face. Now, look at the Lord's demand, last of all. Still with me? Say amen. Verse 15. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. First and foremost, after the Lord's response came 
reverence. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I need wisdom in this fight. I need wisdom in this life. Not just earthly wisdom, wisdom that is true wisdom from above. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom, you might say, is described as reverential awe. In the day in which we're li- I just read an article the other day. And the title of the article, the, the world that we grew up in right now is on life support. And friend, that may be true, but you know what? I do not need to let fear enter in and to take hold of my heart, fearing about what's going to happen or what's coming down. But in, I go before the Lord in worship and reverential awe and wisdom from on high kicks in. And I begin to see things as they really are. Not what the election showed this week, but things as they really are. From God's perspective, what are we doing? We are aligning, we are aligning with the Holy One. We are aligning with the Mighty One. And there is no fear when we align with the Holy One. Glory. So that's what Joshua did. The Lord's demand brought about reverence, then obedience. And you know what? We know the story of Jericho, don't we? Because after this chapter, guess what? Joshua was open. Open to what? He was open now to hear from the commander in chief. And you know what? When the Lord shows up, glory, 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 he always has a battle plan. We know what the battle plan was, don't we? Didn't make a whole lot of sense militarily. March around the wall, seven days. One time a day, don't make any noise, just march silently around the wall. Yeah, Lord, okay, great. You want to tell that to my other staff? The biggest challenge for Joshua was to go back and tell his staff the battle plan and try to convince him, yeah, I heard from the Lord, and and this is what the Lord told me. I could hear some of that. You want to run that by me again, General Josh? Yeah, this is what the Lord said to do. He was completely open to what the Lord would tell him and to receive. So the idea, first and foremost, there was reverence. And God spoke. Moses was given a plan, but before that happened, the burning bush, God spoke from the bush and said, Moses, take your sandals off. You are on holy ground. Israel, when they returned from captivity after 70 years, and they constructed a special platform, and for the first time, catch this, back in their homeland, after 70 years of captivity, they constructed a special platform, and the scribe Ezra and the Levites ascended that platform, and if you cannot see the multitude of the Israelis back in their homeland, and as they unscrolled the Torah, note, the thousands of Israelites stood to their feet in reverence to the holy word of God. Wow. Psalm 33, 8. 
Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the people of the world revere him. Psalm 89 says, In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. What a thought. The council of the holy ones around the throne, and God remains the most revered. Hebrews 12.28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, hear this, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Man. The kingdom is ours. The kingdom is designed for us. And God, as a consuming fire, is in reference to our enemies. God, there is coming a day that God, in his fire of wrath and judgment, is going to consume all evil. And a new earth and a new heaven will be made. And Jesus will descend and sit on his throne. And a new world of which you and I will rule and reign with Jesus Christ. That's what lies ahead. And there is no enemy that can withstand that. So yes, we may be struggling now. But as pastor has always said, if we're struggling, make sure we're struggling in the right direction. We're moving forward. Amen? Man. So humility before God means, first of all, I'm going to have a heart knowledge of who God is. Not only am I going to realize who God really is, but I'm also going to have a head knowledge of who I am and my relationship. And you know what? I'm going to worship. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to hear from my commander-in-chief. And guess what? We're going to experience victory. How many want to hear from our commander-in-chief? Amen? How many want to hear from our commander-in-chief? Amen. We have been experiencing the presence of the Lord in great ways in our Sunday services. Amen. I haven't seen this in years, Pastor Brandon, where people have just lingered around the altar from another 30 minutes to an hour after service is over. And last week, I got kind of tickled because people started drifting back into the sanctuary after they had already gone into the vestibule. It's contagious. Glory. But you know what? He just doesn't want to show up here in front of our sanctuary on Sunday mornings, which is awesome. He wants to go with us right out the door into our world and still continue to experience that. How many want that? Stand with me this morning. Worship team, would you come? Glory. Let's just bow our heads right now and let's thank the Lord right now, right now for his victory. I don't know what you're facing. I'm sure you, there's some here who may be facing some daunting walls of obstruction. Do you know you've been a part of this warfare? Spiritually, emotionally, maybe even physically, you're exhausted. 
But you know what? The best thing we can do right now at this time and in those times is worship the Lord. Glory, worship the Lord. And so what I want to do right now for just a couple of moments, I want us to just worship the Lord in your own way. Would you do that right now with me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your assurance. We thank you, Lord, most of all for the victory you have already accomplished on the cross. And Lord, you transfer that victory to each and every one of us. We become a part of that victory as we surrender our hearts and lives to you, as we open our hearts and minds to you. For Lord, you desire greatly to show yourself mighty in our lives. And in so doing, Lord, there comes an attraction for you called us the light of the world. And people living in darkness are obviously attracted to the light. May they see the light. And the victory is ours, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name while the worship team is playing. Let me say, first of all, if you're here and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior and Lord, we want to take this opportunity right now to pray with you and for you. And if you'd like to invite Jesus into your heart to know Him personally, may I tell you, He's right here. He's waiting for you right here. And we would love to pray with you this morning. So if you're here and you would like to surrender your heart to Him, we want to give you that opportunity to come. Don't be embarrassed. We're all family here. And then also those who need to hear from the Lord. You're facing a situation that seems impossible. And you want the prayer support of your church family. I want you to come forward this morning, would you? And we want to pray with you and join with you. You need prayer this morning. No matter what that need may be, I want you to come forward. We always want to take time around the altars before we leave on Sunday morning. So whatever your need may be, come forward. The Lord knows he'll meet you here. Amen.